a dose of deception with the queens of queens, Shannon and Emily. In our podcast, we'll be discussing murders, missing persons cases, mysteries, and a whole lot of conspiracy theories. So stay tuned for the wild ride. Hey queens, welcome to episode 13 of Dose of Deception. We're excited to talk to you guys this week. And before we get started, like usual, I just want to make sure everyone knows about our social media accounts. Our first one is Instagram at Dose of Deception. And we also have a Facebook group, which is also at Dose of Deception. So Emily, what are we talking about this week? So this week, (laughs) we're going to be talking about a missing persons case. Now, I didn't hear about this until a few weeks ago, and I'm pretty sure most people haven't. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the case of Michael McLean. And he only went missing in 2019. Mm. So it's very recent. There's still more work that could be done. You know, uh, he hasn't been found yet. But I think his family deserves a closure. Mm. So hopefully more people will hear this and learn about it. Because nobody I've talked to has heard about him. Yeah, and since this one is so recent, like spreading the word on it might get people more awareness and can actually make a difference since it's so recent. Definitely. So the police have been so quiet about this case. Um, They haven't really released much. Mm. So most of the info that I'm going to be talking about was directly from Mike's father. Okay. So his mom and his dad do a lot of interviews trying to get the word out. Okay. Because the police kind of said, oh, it kind of rang cold like that. (laughs) So his dad does a lot of uh, interviews. And so most of the info is going to be from him. So let's just get into his backstory a little. Okay. So Michael McLean grew up in Stamford, Connecticut to parents Paula Judkins and Edward McLean. He was a very social, loving person who put his family and friends above everything else. Michael attended Hesser College and received a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. After he moved to Manchester, New New Hampshire, I kept saying Connecticut when I was studying it because that's right by UConn. Yeah, well, he's from Connecticut, right? He was born in Stanford, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. He moves to Manchester, New Hampshire. Oh, okay. Once he moved there, he began working with the Easter Seals, which is a nonprofit organization that works with disabled youth. Mm. So Michael had a passion for working with children with autism, and the children there loved him and looked up to him, kind of like a mentor. Mm-hmm. So on April 20th, 2019, Michael went to a nightclub called Tropical Lounge in Nashua, New Hampshire, with two other friends. Okay. During their night spent at the club, an altercation broke out in the parking lot between two women, and it was confirmed that Michael knew, or he was an acquaintance, it's not like he was best friends, but he knew one of the women. Were either of these women one of the friends that were with him, or no. not two separate people? Okay. Those are two separate people. It was like two of his friends that he went out with. These two women just happened to also be at the club. They got into a fight in the parking lot. Okay. And Michael attempted to defu- defuse the disagreement so nobody would get hurt, and in the process, he was separated by his two friends. Mm-hmm. Now... His father has done many interviews, like I said, and people jumped to the conclusion that Michael, I don't know, got into, he like, um, kind of instigated it okay. in a way, but no, everybody at the club, um, the witnesses and stuff said that the two women were fighting and Michael just separated them and was trying to defuse it okay. completely. So he wasn't like egging it on or anything. Yeah, he wasn't like involved, involved in the fight. No. Now a crowd gathered during the altercation and did not disperse until police arrived on scene at 1.45 AM mm-hmm. on April 21st just 45 minutes before the last known footage of Michael would be captured. Now, for some reason, the timelines do not add up Mm. at all in this case, and when I get into it further, you'll understand. But I think maybe the police um, sent out the wrong time or something. Maybe it was a little bit earlier Mm. than 1.45, or maybe the footage that they found was after 2.30, because it's just very confusing. Okay. So let's get into his disappearance. Just after the police arrived, uh, and Michael, like many others, left Tropical Lounge, and he made his last known phone call. So he ended up calling his boss and telling her, quote, they're after me more than one. And this was at 1.49 a.m. Why do all these cases have something right? like an ominous third person that no one knows who it is? Literally all of these cases have something like that. Right? Like he, he just says they're after me more than one. 
Like, it's always... Uh, he doesn't say names. He doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. I already have ideas, but keep going. Good, good. <laughs> so what's crazy to me is that the police said they came at 1.45 a.m. and everyone dispersed. Mm-hmm. This He makes his call at 1.49 a.m. Mm. It's so quick. You know what I mean? So yeah. short after. So Michael's boss was very confused and she attempted to call him back. However, why his boss? Well, yeah. So, <laughs> right? No, his boss. Imagine me calling my manager, like, hey. <laughs> no. So his dad was saying that his boss and him were very close, and she would sometimes, if he was um, too drunk or whatever, pick him up from the club. Oh, all right. Okay. They had a good relationship. Okay. But it is kind of random that he didn't call police. Yeah. Right. But I don't know. So he, she was confused, and she attempted to call him back. However, he did not pick up. And she also texted him twice, once at 1.54 a.m. and the other at 2.18 a.m., mm-hmm. but neither got a response. Mm. So Mike's friends, who got separated from him once the police arrived, tried contacting Michael through a series of text messages for 45 minutes. So from 1.45 a.m. to 2.30, his friends who got separated from him were mm-hmm. trying to text him, get in touch with him. Okay. However, he did not respond, and so they returned back home to Manchester. <laughs> Why? Everybody always leaves. Right? <laughs> like with the Lars one? They just left him in Germany. I, like, I feel like I would have to find out where they are. I wouldn't be able to sleep until I knew you were safe. Yeah, or just wait for some kind of response. Or So, after they couldn't get in contact with him, did they do anything? Did they call police or anything like that? See, even if I left, I would have made sure some kind of authorities were told before I did. I know, me too. But they texted him for about 45 minutes and then just went back home and I guess went to sleep or something. Mm. So, I find it very interesting and puzzling that michael did not respond to his friend's messages because around the same time he left the nightclub and called his boss he also sent three texts to one of his neighbors which were very confusing texts okay now what i think happened was he maybe he was running or something and so he wasn't actually typing he was using the voice system Mm, maybe that's why it's all skewed but the first text which was sent around the same time he called his boss at 1 49 a.m read quote help lol hour like oh you are Mm. I think. I don't I don't know. Maybe that was just an accident at the end. Um, the next one that he sent at 1.56 a.m. read, Wada stood aloof. And then the next one, which was at 2.15 a.m. So these are kind of spaced out when you think mm. about it, like 45 minutes. Um, it read Eldridge, bro. Now, yeah, no. So Eldridge um, was a street. And that's also, that message kind of makes sense out of all of them. Okay. But now alcohol could account for maybe his misspelling. But once he never returned home that night, his friends and family became suspicious of a darker, more ominous meaning behind the text. Mm. So Michael's neighbor, as well as authorities, believe that he was referencing Eldridge Street in his final text, because this is one of the streets located nearby the nightclub. Okay. He was most likely texting his friend for help, that these people who were seemingly after him were chasing him maybe on Eldridge Street. So that one makes the most sense. But But that was 45 minutes after when he said, like, help and stuff, right? It was like 30 minutes, yeah. So he was running for, like, 30 minutes? I don't get it. I said this case, the timelines don't make any sense. It's not weird that he was running away for 30 minutes. It's more weird that he would have had such a space in between messaging that. I know. So I am curious why he never called 911. If he felt like his life was truly in danger, which mm-hmm. he clearly did. If he's going to call his boss, he's going to send these messages. Mm-hmm. And it's also confusing to me um, that he didn't answer. His friends were texting him throughout this time. Yeah, he's not answering anyone. He's just texting his one of his neighbors so his friends arrived back in manchester and went to sleep for the night assuming that michael would call family and return back home unfortunately once michael missed work the next day on april 22nd people became suspicious as he was always on time for work and never missed it without calling out way in advance 
Michael did not contact his mom or grandma on Easter, and he also didn't call his sister for her birthday, so they did let time pass, it seems. Mm. Um, when Michael's family tried to get in touch with him, all their calls went straight to voicemail. At first, authorities thought Michael may have left to get away for a little while or something, um, but Michael's parents shut that down real quick. His father, Edward, who was the one that I said did a lot of interviews, mm-hmm. he said Michael was very family-oriented and extremely close with his mother, Paula, and he would at least tell his mom or someone first mm-hmm. if he was just getting away. Especially considering all the weird messages, I wouldn't think he just was trying to get away. Yeah. After his friends explained how they became separated from Michael during the altercation between the two women in the parking lot, Michael's parents believed he was forced to leave by foot and had no means of um, of other transportation. Mm -hmm. Because before he went to the nightclub that night, he parked his car at a friend's place on Orange Street in Nashua. Mm. So he had no car. His his friend still had his car Mm. at this time. So he, whatever, wherever he went, he went by foot, which makes it even more confusing, the timeline. Because, or not the timeline, but just makes it even more confusing that nobody had any evidence or trace of him, yeah. of where he went. You would think if he's just walking around, a camera would pick him up or yeah. somebody. Or he would just ask someone for directions or help or something like that along yeah. the way. Well, it gets even more confusing because there is camera footage, which I'll get into right now. Mm, My mind. (laughs) (laughs) So interestingly, Michael's cell phone records indicate that his phone last pinged 0.4 miles away from the nightclub at a McDonald's located at 45 East uh, Hollis Street. Mm -hmm. And this was at 2 a.m., which is about 15 minutes after the police arrived. So that makes sense, 0.4 miles in 15 minutes. So he most likely left the nightclub by foot and walked 0.4 miles to the mcdonald's and the 15 minute window makes sense there however he called his boss at 1 49 a.m so why was he just going to mcdonald's <laughs> maybe he was just going to mcdonald's he called his boss <laughs> and said they're after me oh that happened before yes. he went to mcdonald's i thought he went to mcdonald's then called his boss no no so he calls his boss at 1 49 a.m says there's after me more than one mm-hmm. he could two- be hiding out in the mcdonald's it, that's also a theory yeah at 2 a.m. that they have um, footage of him in the, in the McDonald's, and his father said that he went to the McDonald's and talked to these people, and they remembered him, and they remembered him staying for a bit, like, getting food mm. and stuff. Oh, so, like, just ordering, eating. Yeah. Or... Nothing like he seemed scared or anything. Yeah. So, an acquaintance of Michael told authorities that they ran into Michael while he was traveling towards the McDonald's, and according to this witness, he did not seem distressed at all and made no indication of needing help in any way. Which is weird considering, like I said, his he called his boss around this time. Mm. And was sending out those weird messages. Yeah. Now, I, at first I assumed that the acquaintance might have been guilty, because, you know. However, the um, surveillance footage of Michael by the McDonald's on East Hollis um, during the early morning hours of April 21st also show that he was there. He Like, the acquaintance didn't take him or anything. Mm-hmm. And he also wasn't distressed at all. Yeah. So they also found footage of Michael at Riverfront Landing Apartment Complex on 11 Bancroft Street. And this was at 3.30 a.m., about two hours after the footage from him at McDonald's. So where was he? So he starts off at the McDonald's, and he ends up in the Riverfront Landing Apartment Complex. And this was in Nashua, New Hampshire, Mm -hmm. which is where the nightclub was. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he wasn't going too far because he was by foot when you think about it. The footage shows Michael entering and exiting the parking garage of the apartment complex. Interestingly, although police have footage of Michael at this complex, it seems that his phone died back at the McDonald's, as that's, that is where it last pinged. Mm-hmm. Um, because of this, Mike first stopped at a gas station before heading to the riverfront complex. This gas station was on East Hollis Street, and he entered and asked to use the phone to make a call. Edward and Paula went to this gas station, his parents, 
And they spoke with the worker there, but neither the worker nor the police have stated who Michael called and the content contents of the conversation. I just have to say, I think it's crazy that his parents are the ones that keep having to go out and asking these people. And it's not like the police have gone and asked these people and this is what the police said. It's all, this is what the parents said. Yeah, the parents have done a lot of investigating themselves. Like most of it. Which is sad. That's why I want to get the story out so that more people will hear about it. Yeah. But his father said that he did try to talk to the worker, but he was like, I don't want to be mean because I was watching an interview. Mm -hmm. He said, I don't want to be mean, but he was definitely on something because he... Mm -hmm. Just, his brain just wasn't there. Yeah. So it was kind of hard to get any info out of him. hmm Now, Mike's parents believe he was with someone else, or at least in touch with somebody else, because he had absolutely no reason to be heading towards the apartment complex. hmm Like, usually after a night at the club, you just go right back home. Yeah. And this was in a direction that he just ne- didn't need to be going. Um, so they thought maybe he was persuaded by somebody. However, or not however, but they also, the police were quick to say that he was just drunk. And or whatever. Mm-hmm. But his parents said that in the footage, Mike is walking normal and calmly, and he seems sober and not distressed. Yeah. Now, he could just look sober, I mean... But either way, you can't just blame it and be like, oh, he's drunk, that's why he's doing that. Yeah. So, Michael's parents believe he is still alive. They do have hope. I mean, his mother has a lot more hope. His father said, of course, he's always gonna hope, but it's mentally draining to every day wake up. Oh, of course, yeah. And have this idea that he could be out there, mm-hmm. and you feel like you're not doing enough. Um, he also said it's hard to just do everyday tasks, like going to work, yeah. anything. He said it's pretty much impossible. So his mom is a, a lot more hopeful, but I get it on both ends. And as I said, they took it upon themselves to find their son. Paul and Edward have traveled from their home in Stamford, Connecticut to New Hampshire and searched the woods there themselves, as well as rivers, lakes, and other bodies of water where maybe he could have been floating or where he could be hiding in the woods somewhere. Mm-hmm. They have also gone door-to-door to to people in the neighborhood that Michael lived in, Manchester, and also where the nightclub was, which was in Nashua, and they questioned neighbors face-to-face, as well as businesses who may have seen or spoken to Michael, um, including the McDonald's, like I said before, and they did confirm that the staff remembers him getting food there. Mm -hmm. What worried friends, family, and authorities is that there has been no activity on Michael's social media or bank accounts since he disappeared. Authorities have concluded that Michael drowned in the Merrimack River. Which was nearby. What? <laughs> it was, which was nearby where he um was last seen in the camera footage at the apartment complex. Mm-hmm. So they said, oh, he got drunk, and he drowned. However, there's no body ever floated to the surface or anything. Um, there's also no evidence of that. Like in the camera footage, it is dark and it's nighttime. So he, when he walks off, you kind of lose trace of him. Mm-hmm. However, it's just you can't just conclude that. I don't. I don't feel yeah. like that, if you didn't do enough research into it. I think if he was able to walk coherently into the apartment complex and able to coherently buy food, because if he was that drunk, I do think that the employees at the McDonald's would have recognized and realized it and probably said something to his parents about how intoxicated he was. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he would have been drunk to the point that he would have just wandered into the river and drowned that way. That's what they said with Michael McCabe, too. They said, oh, oh well, no, he did drown, but they said, oh, yeah. he just wandered in there and drowned. Yeah. So. And this one, there's so many cases of him doing things that you would have to be at least in some kind of a sober mindset to do, especially because if you do think about the timeline, when obviously from the altercation with the girls on, he wouldn't have been drinking anything. Yeah. 
So that would have been enough time passed True. that I feel that he could have been drunk when he sent out the text and drunk when he was trying to separate the fight. But by the time he would have got to the apartment complex, he would have been a little bit better at that point. That's true. That was all, that was like two or three hours. Yeah. So I think he could have straightened his state of mind a little bit before, like by the time, this time period between that, the two instances is enough that he wouldn't just be wandering into a river or accidentally drowning into a river. Yeah. They claim that. He accidentally fell in. However, in the photo that they showed where the apartment complex is, um, the river is surrounded by heavily wooded areas, so he'd have to really try to get to it. Yeah. It's not just like you fall off the edge and it's a river, you know? Yeah, which I don't think he would have been doing because besides the phone call and the text message, he was doing normal things. Yeah. So he wouldn't have just wandered through these woods, especially because he was just doing things like getting McDonald's and like just walking into a building, you know? Exactly. Now, Mike's parents are upset with the police and don't feel like they are doing enough to find their son. And it seems that they have lost steam in the investigation and would rather settle for labeling it a drowning instead of actively researching it. Police also keep Michael's parents in the dark about many aspects of the case. And his father had said that they interviewed everyone in the nightclub and whatever, and everyone's innocent. But they haven't really told the parents, like, they haven't gone into detail about who he he interacted with or about Mm -hmm. the camera footage, Mm -hmm. if anything suspicious happened. So... They kind of find out with the media. That's kind of how the dad Mm, made it sound. That's annoying. Yeah. And as of April 2020, Michael's case seems to have gone cold and no more tips have been called in since then. Mm. So it's been a few months and no tips have been called in. And it was only research for like a year where tips came in. I feel like there are some cases that there's so much time in between when the case like happened and there's still tips like years and years and years later. Right. So I do think somebody might be able to come up with something still. Now, Paula, Edward, and the children Michael worked with at the Easter Seals all work to keep Michael's name alive. They hold vigils for him wearing t-shirts that read, Bring Mike Home, and they also just have, you know, fundraisers, everything like that. Um, They continue to put up hundreds of posters as well, uh, Michael's face and information on it, in hopes that someone will see it or spread it, Mm -hmm. and it can actually get the attention it deserves. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's all the information I have on it. Now we're going to get into the theories, which I don't really have, so I want to (laughs) hear some of your theories. I have drowning which could have happened but i don't believe it and also maybe he was actually being chased however in the camera footage there was no one with him yeah (laughs) like he wasn't running he wasn't scared and there was nobody else that came out after him yeah so that's suspicious to me i mean the most concerning part about all this for me is that well one that he hasn't used his bank account or anything like that since because usually like if he was still surviving odds are he would need some of that money However, if he's gone on to a situation with other people, he might not need that money. Yeah. Or if he's, like, being held or, like, something like that, then obviously he's not using his bank account. Um, the thing that throws all of this off for me is the phone call to the boss. Why? Because to me, I feel like if he was drunk enough, he could have... That can explain away the text messages. Yeah, Especially true. if he was speaking it. He could have, of course, helped with something that's alarming. But any of that could have been said. He could have been, like help i'm so drunk i don't have my car like i want to go home you know what i mean it could be something like that rather than help there's people coming after me but it's the phone call that's like i don't care how drunk he is if he's literally saying these are people coming after me then that's what he means yeah he also wrote lol after help in the text which makes me think maybe it wasn't yeah it's like lol i'm wandering around (laughs) like something like that instead of like help these people are coming after me but if he literally called his boss and said 
there's people, there's two of them coming after me. Or coming and he to just get said me. more than one. There's more than one coming to get me. Is yeah. that what he said? He, yeah, he said they're after me more than one. So my original thought when you said that was that it was maybe the boyfriends of the two girls in the fight. That's what I was thinking, maybe. That was my original thought, that maybe either the boyfriends or just people involved in that fight were chasing after him. Mm-hmm. And then maybe he was able to just... Maybe he he called before the text. He he called... The first text was sent the same around the same time as the call. Okay. The next two were spaced out like 15 minutes. Yeah, so if he called her while the people were coming after him and then like from the fight and then he got away from that and then he was texting trying to explain what was going on but then he texted it to a neighbor he texted it to a yeah he didn't text her he texted a neighbor and his dad was saying or he said that some people said maybe he thought he was at his neighbor's like he was he thought he was back home and wanted his neighbor to let him in Mm. but his dad was saying he was so far away like he wouldn't yeah. think he was home even if he was drunk yeah because the club was technically in a different town over wasn't it yeah it wasn't like super far but it wasn't like you walk and yeah. you think you were home in five minutes yeah i don't get that i don't get this whole timeline <laughs> because why was he like at first i said okay he went to mcdonald's because maybe they were chasing him and he was able to hide out there mm-hmm. but there wasn't any weird stuff going on there at all yeah and then my second thought when you first were saying it was that maybe since he was involved with that fight when the police showed up, maybe the police were chasing after him. Maybe. That's smart. I didn't think of that. That's what I originally thought. But then I was... But that still kind of does make sense. Because then if they called and said the two, more than one coming after me, then it could be police chasing him away Ooh. from the club. Or just maybe more than one cop showed up at the scene and he didn't want to be seen as part of the fight. So he ran away. And then he just so that's why once he got to the mcdonald's it was like things are normal because he got away from the fight or the cops or whatever hmm that's really smart i didn't think of that thank you <laughs> but also i want to know who he called at the gas station because they never said that oh yeah they said he he came in asked to use the phone but the the parents said that that's a that's as much information as they got like they don't even know if he actually went through with the call they yeah. just said that he asked to use the phone so I want to know who he was calling. Maybe someone at the complex, but who lived there that he would have to go to? Honestly, probably some the person at the complex because obviously he didn't call the neighbor or the boss again because they were already cooperating with police. They would have said that if he called them a second time. And obviously he didn't call the parents. Mm-hmm. And obviously so he, he didn't call, call that the two person. friends. So maybe he called the person at the apartment complex and that's then maybe they opened up the garage for him to come in. So they're not on camera. Yeah. But then where did he go after that? No idea. <laughs> Like, maybe even if he drowned the river, wouldn't... I'm not sure how that works. Wouldn't your body float up? I feel like at some point... I mean, I don't know how big of a river this is, but I feel like at this point, over a year year later... later, Someone would see him. It would have came up eventually. I think so. I think it floats up after, like, a week or two. Yeah. And this, to me, seems... I mean, just from the sounds of it, it doesn't seem like this is a busy city kind of thing. It just Mm -hmm. seems like a residential area. So, I feel like it can't be this giant river... Yeah, I don't know. And even... So, like, if the police did... If the police believed that this was a drowning, then Why I'm assuming they, they searched the river at some point. Yeah, they probably searched it. But if you never found his body there, then how can you say if it's a drowning? Yeah, they never found his body, but they've also been very quiet about the case. Like, the police aren't saying as much as... Maybe because it's new. Or maybe because the police chased him away from the scene and then they know that. Shit. <laughs> but this is really me spiraling Holy and that's shit. probably not true <laughs> and, and the de- police department of this town please don't come after me no but, but. i like thinking about every aspect because it's just confusing to me how there's no evidence of anything yeah i feel like you can't label this a drowning if you i'm assuming you search this river if you're saying it's a drowning something would have came up at that point point. and also just even if he did 
like God forbid get murdered, there's no evidence of it. Like yeah. I feel like you would find something, but I don't know. Did they ever search that apartment complex? I mean, the police really are not saying anything. I had to get all my info from his dad, who yeah. doesn't know. But I'm assuming they searched it if they knew he was there. Yeah, if he went into that apartment complex, and they should have just went through it. But also, without a warrant, you probably can't go into someone's apartment. Yeah, you apartment. probably can't. And since they don't know specifically who it was that would have let him into the apartment, you can't search every single house. That's true. So maybe they were not able to search the apartment complex or maybe they can search the general area, mm-hmm. like the lobby, the garage, but they can't go into each individual apartment because they don't have a, like reasoning for it, technically. It's just like gives me the chills to think about how frantic he sounded and then also seeing how calm he looked. Like, it yeah. was two different things. And yeah. also, there was nobody else ever in the camera with him. Mm. He was just alone the whole time. Yeah. And, I mean, you're right that that acquaintance is kind of fishy, but also, since he bumped into that a- like acquaintance before he got to the mcdonald's yeah. right obviously he didn't really have anything like if it was after it. while he was on the way to your apartment i'd be like mm-hmm. all right he could have just waited out or maybe that's why he started getting calm because he saw his acquaintance and maybe that's why his demeanor changed so much maybe he was like oh like my friends here like i'm fine now or something like that maybe i just want to know what was going through his head i know i'm that's the i'm telling you it's the phone call and like the mm-hmm. urgency of the phone call compared to everything else that's the thing that's confusing me and throwing me off yes is that all your theories yeah (laughs) all right if you have any theories please let us know i'm gonna give a description of him and also who you can call Mm -hmm. i'll leave who you can call in the description box if Mm -hmm. you have any info on him but mike was 29 years old and he was at the time of his disappearance he is an african-american man with medium build he's 5'10 weighs 190 pounds he has dark hair that he wears in braids and brown eyes but he always usually wears green contacts he also has a lot of tattoos on his arms and hands Mm -hmm. so see He's like, he, since he has all these tattoos too, I'm like, he should be identifiable if he's right? like in a river or his body's found. So to me, it's just like. I know. Uh, I just, I don't think he drowned in the river. I don't know if he's I don't alive, either. but that's not it. I don't think he drowned. There's like, that's the last theory that I have. <sighs> you know? Yeah. In my mind, drowning isn't. I, I feel like know, it would be so easy to if we found. I feel like the police probably know more than we know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with that information, it'd be a lot easier for everybody else to piece together what happened. But yeah. they apparently haven't pieced that together. Ugh. I don't know. It just seems like such an e Not an easy, but it seems that... It seems solvable. It seems so solvable, especially because you have so much camera footage of this guy. Yeah. At two different locations, you have camera footage. <laughs> Where did he go after the apartment? You can't see that on camera. Or I know it probably, you know, like there's not another camera yeah. in that area where if he did go somewhere else, you'd yeah. see him on another camera. What are the odds that since that night he hasn't been picked up on any other camera That's what in I'm that saying. entire town? He didn't unless, just vanish. Yeah, unless he died in the apartment. But at this point, something would have happened that people realized that something happened to him in that apartment complex. Exactly. Some, somebody would have heard something in the building. Something would have happened like that. Exactly. Well, let us know if you have any theories. Hey queens, welcome back from the break. For my half of the episode this week, we're going to be talking about Elvis Presley and the possibility <laughs> that he maybe is alive. <laughs> I've heard this one. I just don't know much about it. Yeah, so I'm going to get a little bit into how he died on record and how he supposedly, probably for real, died. Okay. <laughs> this is a theory that as much as I don't want to believe it, and I guess I don't, There are so many people that are so invested in this theory. There are thousands and thousands of people that have done their own research and go out and specifically just do studies to try to find him. There have been so many sightings of him. Yeah. 
And so there are a lot of people really, really invested in this one. No, so. I'm laughing because you start all your theories with, it's probably not true. I don't believe it. <laughs> because, I mean, this one, this one, like, most of the ones where it's like someone died, but like not really died, there are a lot of them. Like yeah. Tupac, Hitler. <laughs> There's a ton of them. So this one, I would say, is more believable compared to a lot of them just because of how much evidence of it has popped up just because of how many people have looked into it before. So before I get into it, I'm going to talk about how he died. Um, Elvis died on August 16th, 1977. Um, he died of a heart attack, technically. Um, some believe, people believe that it was connected to a drug overdose. Okay. Um, however, his official death was labeled heart failure. But for years prior to that, he was having failing health in the years before that he became obsessed with junk food and he was eating very poorly he gained a lot a lot of weight in his last couple of years there was rumors that he would carry around suitcases loads of prescription drugs whenever Damn. he traveled anywhere like literally suitcase full of them in the prior 20 months before he died he had been prescribed over 12,000 pills Damn. Yeah, by the same doctor. How much do you take a day? Do you know? I don't know. That's insane. But, I mean, if you think about that, 12,000 pills in just a 20-month span, that's crazy amount. That's such a sad way to live. Yeah, and it was all prescribed by the same doctor, and it kind of goes into that. He ended up on trial, the doctor. He ended up being acquitted, but all of that information came out after. Um, because, technically speaking, according to um, the Tennessee coroner's office and the autopsy and stuff like that, he didn't die connected to his drugs. They say that he would have died whether he had the drugs in his system or not. Hmm. So he did have the drugs in his system, but they are saying that his heart failure and the heart attack would have happened regardless. So they're saying the doctor, they were like blaming him at first, kind of like Michael Jackson's doctors? Very similar situation. Okay. Very, very similar situation. Except, I believe, <laughs> Michael Jackson's doctor did get, like, he was found guilty. We actually... Like, I don't know if he was actually found guilty. <laughs> you should do a story on that. Maybe. But I remember his trial, like, being longer, mm -hmm. and I do think that he was in more trouble and was seen as more guilty than Elvis's doctor. Mm -hmm. Elvis's doctor, in the years after and during the lawsuit, basically said that the reason that he was willing to give these prescriptions to Elvis was because if he didn't get it from him, he knew that he was going to get it from someone more shady yeah. or from, like, street drugs. Yeah, that makes sense. So he was like, he would rather get it from him than illegally off the street where it could be like a bad drug rather i mean not that his prescriptions drugs weren't bad but you get my point <laughs> yeah i get it <laughs> um so, so it yeah. could have been laced or something yeah exactly yeah so his immediate death like i said was heart disease however his death certificate is a private document until the year 2027 mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons why people suspect that maybe they're hiding his death certificate. However, it's just Tennessee law that the death certificate would be private for, I believe it's 50 years after his death. Okay. Right. Yeah, I think it's 50. 77 to 27, I think it's 50. Um, so yeah, it's just based off of law. But some people believe that has something to do with his death certificate, maybe hmm. not even being there or being doctorate or whatever else. Yeah. Also, his autopsy report has never been officially released to the public and is also a private document, and it is suspected that his family will never release that information. So, that is another reason why people think it's a little suspicious, that the autopsy and 
although they've come out with reasonings for his death, the full detailed report has never been released because it's technically only the family that can see it. So the part that starts to make things a little more suspicious is his funeral itself. Okay. So. Was it a private funeral? Not really. Okay. Was it open? Yes. Huh. So yeah. how is he... Okay, so wait for it. Okay. <laughs> but it was open casket. That's so scary. And it wasn't... There was a private part to the funeral, but yeah. private, as in there was still several hundred people there. How was it, it open? Just... I'm just confused how it was okay. open. It's, so, like, scaring me to think that it could he could be alive and it was open. So, <laughs> it wouldn't have been him in there. Yeah. So, he died on August 16th. His funeral was on August 18th. The theory is that the body that was used for his funeral, because it was open casket was a wax figure with a cooling system in the casket to keep it intact. I need a, I need a picture. Shape. So <laughs> I can show it to you. And it look. I mean, it looks like him. <laughs> <laughs> but there are a couple of things that are funky about the either his body or the wax body, according to who you ask, that make it a little... Maybe it was a wax figure. That's so scary. So the first thing about his body that some people have brought into question is that some people say that there, they believe that there appeared to be sweat on his face during the funeral, which I guess would not be the weirdest thing, but some people believe that it would have been the wax like melting, melting. Hmm. like the condensation from it. He was in the cooling system and then it opened and it was the hot air and that's kind of why there appeared to be sweat on his face. So who's saying this? Was it like his family or just random? So technically it's his family, however... With most famous people, sometimes if it's long away relatives, you can't really trust everything that they're saying. However, it is like people that attended the actual funeral that have said things like that. Mm -hmm. Also, when they were lifting the casket to process it out of the funeral, it took them a really long time and they were struggling really hard to Mm. lift it. Which, didn't you say he was really fat? He was way overweight. At the time of his death, he it was estimated that he weighed around 350 pounds, which, of course, is heavier and like it's plus not that the heavy casket. Though. With at least six men, like, lifting it up, yeah, you I would don't think, think it's that, that heavy. they shouldn't be struggling that much with 350. So some people believed that maybe it was the system that they were using in order to keep the wax figure intact that was making the casket itself heavier. Mm-hmm. And the last thing is that a cousin of Elvis had said that the body looked kind of off to them. They said that it seemed that he had a fake hairpiece on, and it also seemed that his hands didn't have the calluses that they would normally have on it. Like, his skin and his hands seemed smoother than what they would have been. This is so creepy. (laughs) I love it. But, so yeah, that's the parts of the funeral that people have said. Also, his tombstone makes people a little suspicious. Uh... His middle name is Aaron. Most people spell Aaron A-A-R-O-N, and that's how it's spelt on his tombstone. However, in his birth certificate and what his legally was named was, was A-R-O-N without the second A. That reasoning behind it is that Elvis, when he was born, he was supposed to have a twin, and his twin was either a miscarriage or died a day or two after he was born. So that was the naming of his twin, so that was Elvis's middle name. Is his name actually Elvis? His name is actually Elvis, name? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow, I didn't know his that. His name is actually Elvis, and his middle name is Aaron. That's such a nice name. Yeah. <laughs> so his middle name's actually uh, Aaron, but spelled with a single A, but on his tombstone, it's spelled A-A. Some people thought that maybe it was his dad 
if his dad was aware that it wasn't actually his son that he was burying, he didn't feel comfortable putting his son's actual name hmm. on the tombstone if he didn't actually die and yeah. wasn't actually burying him. However, some people have said that Elvis preferred the double A spelling of Aaron when he signed signatures and on legal documents. You it you have cases of him using the double A. So some people just think that that's what Elvis preferred. So that's what he used on his tombstone. Yeah. However, some people also think that that's not really his name. So why would he put it on his tombstone? Mm-hmm. So that's the basics on why the funeral and those kind of things were weird to people. Now I'm going to get into a couple of sightings of him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which, real or not, whatever. <laughs> it's always fun to think about these things. Always fun. So the first sighting that people claimed to have seen of him. Now this is happened on the day that he actually died. Okay. So this sighting, so he died on August 16th and this sighting was supposedly also on August 16th. After like what well, did he die in the morning? It would, so he died at I believe it was 3:30 and this in the sighting no 3:30 in the afternoon. Okay. And then this sighting would have happened late afternoon early evening. Okay, okay. So, a People, one person claimed that a man that looked suspiciously like Elvis was seen at Memphis International Airport looking to get a flight to Buenos Aires. So, the witness, however, has never officially been identified, um, but he does state that the man was using the name John Burroughs, which the significance of the name John Burroughs is that Elvis would use it whenever he was checking into hmm. a hotel room or things like that yeah. so that he didn't raise suspicion and so that whether it be paparazzi fans or people didn't realize that he was there. So is this like public knowledge that he would use that though? Because this person could have just said that. I believe it was. Okay. I'm not 100% sure, but... But that kind of makes sense if he just wanted to get away from all the fame. Yeah. Because if so, I was famous, I would feel like I'd want to get away from the fame too. 100%. Eventually. The level of fame that Elvis was, I mean, at that point towards when he was closer to his death, he was still obviously one of the most, probably the most famous person in the world, but he had to become lesser degrees of famous. Like he was still very, very famous, but he was performing less. And there were definitely musicians that had kind of gone over him in popularity. So that is one of the popular theories that the reason he would have tried to escape is that he was just trying to escape fame. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. So like I said, that sighting happened August 16th. Um, However, the it was decently debunked pretty quickly because in 1977, you're not able to book direct international flights at the Memphis airport. You would have had to get a ticket to a different, like a domestic ticket to a different airport that would be able to take you to an international place. Okay. So people were like, that couldn't have possibly happened because he literally would not have been able to purchase that ticket. I mean... Did like the people at the airport besides this guy see him? supposedly it was just this guy. Okay. Um, which, of course, all of this kind of leads this sighting to seem like it didn't actually happen. However, I guess it is possible that he might have just heard Elvis, quote-unquote, saying that he was going to go to Buenos Aires and that he maybe just didn't hear the part of the conversation where he was going to a different airport first yeah. or something like that. And also, I guess if Elvis was, like, in a rush to get out of there, he was just like, I need to get here. (laughs) And, like, didn't really say that he needed to switch over. However, at that point, especially on the day that he supposedly died, I don't think Elvis would have been able to get on two flights. (laughs) (laughs) I think someone at some point would have noticed Elvis is on my flight, but he just died an hour ago. So, yeah. That's so funny. (laughs) 
So I don't really give much credit to that, but I it is worth mentioning because that is the sighting that popularized the theory. So I think the next sighting of him is the one that holds the most weight. How so, many are there? A couple. Like okay. the, I mean, there's way more than I'm talking about. You're just talking about the main ones? I'm just talking about the main ones, but there are even more than... There are whole websites and Facebook groups and all these things of sightings of Elvis. There's Damn. probably hundreds of them at this point. Damn. So... This one is the one that I think holds the most weight. Uh, it was from a photo from Graceland. If you don't know, Graceland is where Elvis, basically where he lived, his house. It was basically his own little city without being his own little city. It was his own property and is where his family and everything lived. So after he died, Graceland quickly became more like a tourist attraction or museum than anything else. So people were visiting Graceland on December 31st, 1977. On that day, Mike Joseph took a photo by Graceland's pool while he was visiting. And in the background in the window, you can see a shadowy figure that does strongly resemble Elvis. <laughs> do we have a picture? It does. I need to see. I need to see. <laughs> so I do think it has a strong resemblance to Elvis. <laughs> it does. I just saw it. It does. There has been proof that the photo is unedited. Uh-huh. So it is not edited at all. It's not like Mike Joseph took this picture and inserted elvis's image in it uh however uh it's been suggested that by several of elvis's associates and peers that it was al strada who looks nothing like that who looked nothing like it i showed emily what he looks like and it doesn't really resemble it at all he has a different shaped face he doesn't have the hair that the photo appears to have so i don't really think it's him at least of course it could be someone else that's not elvis but i don't think it's him just because i don't really think that it looks like him in that based on that photo i don't think so either i'd have to see more pictures Mm -hmm. of him but it didn't look like him but joseph did believe that it was strata and it kind of died down from there however again this happened uh still in the same year that elvis died so it still kept that rumor mill going and but People say that it's Alstrada. Elvis's people said it was Alstrada. <laughs> Elvis's people. <laughs> Elvis's people. <laughs> um, so yeah, one of the other supposed sightings of it, which this one's just kind of funny, so that's why I mention it. Some people believe that Elvis appears as an extra in the background of Home Alone. <laughs> which one? <laughs> the first one. The first one. Is there a picture of that? Yes. So it is. Basically, it is in a scene where I don't remember the characters' names from Home Alone, but <laughs> it's Catherine I. O'Hara's character, okay. I think it's the mom, yeah. is in, I think, talking to a airplane ticket, the person that sells the tickets to them, and people believe that the person over her left shoulder in the background, the extra, is Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> Was that one who was taking his flight off? Maybe. <laughs> so, like I said, I personally don't really think it looks like him at all. The main thing that supports this is that supposedly the mannerisms, like the head tilts that the actor or Elvis (laughs) uses, is very, very almost identical to the kind of mannerisms that Elvis would use. Which maybe this is just... Doesn't make sense, though. He didn't look anything like him. No, I don't think it looks anything like him. Obviously, this would have been a couple of years, like a decent amount of time would have passed at that point. So maybe he just looks completely different at that point. (laughs) I don't know. But I don't think it looks like him. But his mannerisms are what support it. Also, um, the director of Home Alone, uh, Chris Columbus, has denied this. Also, Macaulay Culkin has said Elvis was not on set (laughs) at the time. Um, Did the guy, the extra, ever say anything? 
I don't think so. Not as far as I saw. <laughs> yeah. But uh, on the commentary, like, DVD release of the movie, Chris Columbus and Macaulay Culkin, they did say that they were aware of the theory and they kind of left it off. Mm-hmm. Chris Columbus, however, right before Home Alone, had directed a movie about kids who try to kidnap Elvis. Hmm. So people were like... Yeah. Oh, (laughs) he obviously has a thing about Elvis. (laughs) Maybe he's just trying to insert that in his other movies. Mm -hmm. So those are the two things that support it. However, I don't really think it looks like him. The ones that became, I would say, really made this theory the most popular are some sightings that happened in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Okay. <laughs> so these Where did happened he live? I'm sorry. When he died? In Graceland. And he... Which I believe is in Tennessee, right by Memphis. Okay. So these, these sightings happened at the end of the 80s in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Kalamazoo, Michigan is where he performed right near his death. I believe he had shows in there four months before he supposedly died. So it would have been some of his last shows that were happening there. A woman named Louise Welling said that they spotted him at a supermarket checkout line. And a few days later, her daughter claimed to have seen him at a Burger King. Hmm. It, it does make it a little suspicious that it just so happens to be your daughter that also spotted him. It is alleged that she said that she was seeking him out after his mother, her mother claimed to oh, have okay, seen so him. Okay, so she was looking for him. Exactly. And the one thing that does kind of hold some weight in this is that it is alleged, well, not really alleged, it's kind of widely known that Elvis's favorite fast food place was Burger King. (laughs) Did the Burger King workers say anything? Not that I saw. Okay. From what I saw about this, it was mainly the two of them. However, once the town got word that Elvis might be in their town. Of course, a couple of random spottings of Elvis popped up, but are they legitimate? Who knows? Yeah. But once you tell someone, like, look out for Elvis in your town, obviously people are gonna see him even if he's not really there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyone that looks like him is gonna be, oh, that's Elvis. (laughs) (laughs) So, the most recent supposed sighting of Elvis, or at least the one that has the biggest connection to him and is the most believable is in 2016. Oh, that's recent. Yeah. When security footage at Graceland recorded a groundskeeper that people believed looked a little like Elvis. (laughs) I don't think it looked like Elvis. Let me see. Is there a video? Yes. It's very... He does have white hair in the video. Obviously, Elvis would be older at this point. Not very old. How old was he when he died? I don't really know anything about Elvis. So he was 42 when he died. So when this video came out, he would have been in his late 70s, early 80s, around there. Oh, so he's not that old. Yeah. I thought he was older when he died. Yeah, and so then it makes sense that in the video, he would have white hair and he would look like an older man. <laughs> so I watched the video. <laughs> it is funny, because it's just like a random old man. Yeah, probably. Did or he... it's Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> did this man say anything? I don't know, to be honest. Wouldn't they know his name? Why would he be working there? I mean, he's allegedly just a groundskeeper for graceland that's elvis's home yeah but it's more of a tourist place now oh okay, okay it's okay, just okay. his house okay like people can visit it you can go as like an attraction wouldn't they ask like he's a worker wouldn't they have his name probably i mean they've said it's a groundskeeper oh, okay i don't know what his identity is but yeah. they have outwardly said that he's just a groundskeeper that's so funny that video but maybe it's elvis <laughs> <laughs> but really it's just probably just the guy 
doing his job. <laughs> He's wearing an Elvis t-shirt. <laughs> Elvis be wearing an Elvis t-shirt. To throw people off. Maybe. Would you ever wear your own name? Maybe. I no wouldn't. would be so. like, why would you be wearing your own merchandise? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's the most recent sighting of him. That's so funny. So, now I'm just going to get into the two main possible reasons that Elvis would decide to fake his own death. The first one, like we mentioned before, would just be that he wants to step out of the limelight. Yeah. Uh, although it was mostly part in due to his failing health, Elvis had performed significantly less leading up to his death. In, re- in the years before his death, uh, he had gotten a divorce, and he, like I said, he had gained weight. He just wasn't doing as well. He wasn't performing as much. So he had canceled many concerts in the last few months leading up to his supposed death. And his voice had become much weaker as the years went on. His last recordings and singles, there was a significant decrease in his, I guess, vocal technique Yeah. compared to recent years. So it is possible that he just decided that he didn't want to do what he was doing anymore. And he just saw this as his only way out. Because even if he did decide that he didn't want to perform and be a public figure anymore, he was so famous, like so, so famous that the limelight would have followed him whether he stopped performing or not. Yeah, that makes sense. So he might have just seen this as his way out. The (laughs) fun theory about why he maybe possibly faked his death is that he he possibly had connections to the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency, and he was working for the government, and that's why he needed to go undercover. So let me explain. Because most of the time, (laughs) most of the time when you hear theories about celebrities faking death or dying... A lot of the times the theories behind it are that the government was trying to kill them or the government was going after them or surveilling them. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) supposedly he might have faked his death in the hope of helping the government. So he, he, Elvis had a known fascination with guns and law enforcement. Um, He also had a known dislike of communism and this was the years of like nixon and things like Mm -hmm. that so there is a famous photo if you saw it you would know it of elvis and nixon meeting in the white house he was presented a honorary badge to be part of the drug enforcement agency oh i didn't know that it wasn't he wasn't technically considered a real agent but some people like to say oh well it was maybe it was just a photo op but he was actually going to be a drug enforcement agency because the idea was that supposedly elvis had pitched before to the government that he wanted to be an agent for the dea because he had so many connections to Hollywood and the people that lived that lifestyle that would use drugs and he also supposedly had he wasn't Elvis was not supposedly connected to the mafia but he maybe knew people Mm -hmm. that would have been involved in that that he could have been able to help the DEA crack down on drugs yeah that's very random but when you say all that it makes sense to me so I mean it is funky because I mean Elvis was known (laughs) to take drugs (laughs) so why is he going to become a drug enforcement agent when he himself does drugs. Yeah. However, it, he did used to see a connection to the drug, the war on drugs helping decrease communism, and he saw a lot of connections like that. Um, so the theory is that he po- either faked his death so that he can be more helpful and undercover about his being an agent or whatever, <laughs> or there were actually 
uh, warrants and people were arrested attached to the mafia the day that Elvis supposedly died. So some theories believe that Elvis played a part in taking down these mafia people and that he faked his death in order to go into witness protection program because the <laughs> mafia might have figured out that Elvis was connected to them being arrested. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot to take in. Oh my god. So, it's very, very outlandish, and there I won't go into it too much into detail, but there are specific examples of Elvis having, I guess, being scammed almost by the specific mafia people that were arrested on the day that he supposedly died. Hmm. So it might have been like a out of revenge, spiteful situation. Yeah. That Elvis specifically wanted to take these people out. And in order so that they didn't come after him, he faked his death to go into witness production. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I love that. Yeah. So that's very, very outlandish. It's really interesting, though. Like I said, there are a couple of hints at it, like how he was into law enforcement and was a supportive i mean i don't want to say supportive on the war of drugs because the war on drugs is very very controversial and rightfully so it was not the greatest thing in the world but he was kind of into taking down the taking down drugs (laughs) you know yeah whether it be connected to his hatred of communism or otherwise i'm not gonna go speak on elvis his (laughs) personal beliefs But, so there are little breadcrumbs like that, including his connections. Just, the entertainment business is probably one of the most plentiful businesses if you're looking to sell drugs or be involved in that world. So, he would make sense that Elvis would have a lot of connections to those people if he did want to be an undercover agent for (laughs) the government. Now, it is also alleged that the government, like the actual DEA turned him down before (laughs) and but it also is known that nixon was a huge fan of elvis so elvis might have been able to just use that to his advantage to get nixon to agree to it whether the dea agreed to it or not (laughs) however elvis is not officially listed as an agent ever (laughs) so yeah I mean, that's pretty much what it. Is that? <laughs> what, are we ta- what are we talking about? I love this so much. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's pretty much it. <laughs> but I awesome. mean, listen, I mean, it's fun to go into that rabbit hole. No, it is. I love going into that because rabbit hole. Because odds are, odds are if he faked it, it's just because he didn't want to be famous anymore. And that's not fun. From the, like, away from the limelight. However, if you do want to make it... Like, yeah, make it ooh. fun. <laughs> that is the more outlandish theory, and that is, besides the one that he wants to step out of the limelight, the most, I guess, supported theory. <laughs> <laughs> or most well-known theory, I guess I would say. So yeah, like I said, there are so many people that take this so, so seriously. <laughs> there are websites dedicated to it, organizations dedicated to it. There are people that have spent thousands and thousands of their own dollars researching Damn. to see if Elvis is alive. <laughs> there are countless amount of Facebook groups. It's insane how many people like really truly believe that he's alive and have put so much effort into proving it. All right, and that's all we have for you this week, folks. Catch us every week for Freaky Friday with the Queens of Queens. Bye, Queens.